morning, Crossroads. Great day today. Um, yeah, just real quick, if you hear cheers behind me or thumps on the wall, there's a little volleyball tournament going on behind us, so uh, I can't hear, I can hear a little bit. Anyway, when the music's going, you know, you can't hear a thing, except them, but uh, I can't fill the, uh, the uh, auditorium in quite the same way. But uh, anyway, thinking of sports, this is the first weekend of uh, football postseason. So uh, I know a lot of people here are pretty sad because of what happened to the Chargers. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of teams are going to go on and a lot of teams are going to be sent home. So I, 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 I'm withholding further comment. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, but I do want to say we have a great Sunday planned for Super Bowl Sunday. So, so mark your calendars. It's not just about football. We're going to have a, a, a great, we're going to have some football themes here as well, but we've got a very special Sunday. And so, you know, maybe you might want to invite folks to come with you that Sunday um, for a, a little extra fun and something special. So, you hear that? They're excited about church on Super Bowl Sunday. Amen. Amen. So, anyway. <laughs> All right. And by the way, I do want to just welcome you, whether you're online or in person. Thanks for being with us, especially if you're a guest, maybe a first, second, third time guest. Glad you're with us today. And I uh, do want to call everybody's attention to the Connect card you'll find in the bulletin. Uh, each week here at Crossroads, we fill these out. Uh, all of us, and as a guest, if you'd fill out as much of the card as you feel comfortable, later uh, at the end of the service, you can put it in, our, in the two boxes at the, at the back doors, and it lets us know you are here. You can uh, communicate with us through this. You can uh, ask questions, give a prayer request. We have a great team uh, that prays through all the, the prayer requests I- during the week, and uh, if, you know, if you want to sign up for something as well, so lots of different uses for that. You can also, if you give us your email, you can ask us to sign you up for our e-newsletter, and you'll get our uh, weekly bulletin, digital bulletin, uh, on Saturday, so you know what's going on. So, anyway, so great to be together today. And we're continuing on in our new message series we started last week called True North. And we're calling it True North because if you're navigating, if you're trying to get from A to B, uh, you need some fixed point that you navigate from. Uh, That's especially true uh, if you are flying an airplane or in a ship or in the wilderness. Nowadays, we have GPS. Who needs compasses anymore? But uh, if your GPS goes out, uh, you know, Cambrio Airport, they put out there December 31st, 2022, just a couple weeks ago. Their, uh, their map of the airport. And right there on the map, it shows true north is this way, and magnetic north is 12 degrees off. Because planes need to know what north is, right? And, uh, and so I thought, well, that, that's, that's very interesting. You know, our kids, our students are at camp this weekend. And they're supposed to have snow, but they're just below the snow line. So they, they've got a mud week. Um, but that's cool. And, and actually, let me show you a picture of where they are. They're at Heartland Christian Camp, which, according to Google, is 165 miles as the crow flies. Of course, they didn't fly with a crow. But uh, notice, it is exactly north. I mean, due north, true north, Heartland is a... Now, if they used magnetic north, 
which, as we saw last week, changes all the time. It's been all around. It changes by hundreds of miles over the years. If you use magnetic north, you'd be 12 degrees off, and you would end up in Lone Pine, which Lone Pine is a wonderful little town, right? It's, uh, it's the gateway to Mount Whitney. If you want to climb Mount Whitney, you've got to go through Lone Pine. Um, but they'd be on the other side of the Sierra Nevada from where they're supposed to be, right? So you've got to know what direction you're going, true north. And so what we're doing in this series is we're talking about what are some of those immovable, fixed truths that we can navigate our life by. And we're looking at, at Genesis 1, 2, and 3 as our foundation in terms of how God created the world, what his original intention and his continuing intention is for creation and for us. So last week we talked about God. Who is God? What does that mean that there is a God who created? And this week we're talking about human beings. What does it mean to be a human being? Who are we? What does that mean? So just a small topic today. And so the first big question that comes is, what is humanity's place in the universe? What is humanity's place in the universe? You know, the more we discover about the world around us, about not just our solar system or even our galaxy, but the universe, the more we realize we are really small in the, in the whole scheme of things. I mean, our sun is small in the scheme of things. Our planet is small in the scheme of things, and we are like little ants crawling around on the surface of this globe. What's our place? How important are we really? In fact, when you look at the universe, you think, we are totally insignificant. But is that true? So I want to, and what's humanity's place in the universe can have both a general application. People, what are we? But it's also very personal. Do I make any difference at all? What's my place in the world, in the universe, in creation? What's my place? And, and so what part do we play in this beautifully complex, interwoven, beautiful, interdependent web of life and creation where we live? And you know, the Bible asks that same question. The songwriter of the Bible the, the Psalms are the songs of, of Scripture. In, in Psalm 8 says this, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Right? It's, it's been a question that people have asked since the beginning of people. Who am I? What, what's my place? Why would God care about insignificant people like us? Well, it goes on to answer. And it says in the next verse, it says, You have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet. That's a pretty wild answer, isn't it? Lord, who am I? You were created just a little lower than God. Doesn't always feel that way, though, does it? <laughs> a lot lower. With glory and honor. Did you know you were created for glory and honor and to rule over the works of God's hands? That's incredible. In fact, it might even sound arrogant, right? 
Who is this guy writing this? They think they're so great that even supposed to rule over God's creation. And uh, arrogant, narcissistic on one hand, but we need to see the full context of why God created us that way. To realize it's not arrogance at all. It's not narcissism. It's, it's how God chose to make us a part of his creation and our place in it. And so that's really what we're going to head into. And so there are three affirmations that I want to give us today about why you and I were created. So three affirmations. And, 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 and the first of them about who we are in this world is that you were made for greatness. You were made for greatness. Now, it may not always feel that way. You might think, well, I don't feel awfully great. Um, but greatness can, be, can actually be um, defined and described in a number of different ways, right? <clears throat> not saying everybody's going to be rich and famous. <coughs> Excuse me. Everything's, everybody's going to be powerful and controlling things around the world. But it does mean that we were made for true significance in our lives. And that we have been given by God infinite value. We have a purpose from God. In fact, when we look at the rest of creation, we were created differently than all other life on earth. Now, when you look at people and the rest of life, you can see there's a, there's a, a qualitative difference between a human life and other life. But, but in, in Genesis, it tells us there was actually a real difference in how God made us. And let me read a couple different things from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1.11 says, let the land produce vegetation. Then a few verses later, verse 20 says, let the water teem with living creatures. A few verses later, let the land produce living creatures. Right? So let the land produce, let the water team, let the land produce vegetation, creatures, animals. But then we get to verse 26 and it says, Then God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make mankind in our image. When he created other things... it's it's a little more detached and passive. Let the land produce. Let let the water produce. Let let these things produce. But when it came to creating people, God said, let's make man in our image. Fundamentally, Fundamentally different way of describing how we were created. It is personal and it is direct. Not that God didn't directly create everything else. God did create, but there's something direct and personal about how he created you and me. In fact, it goes on in uh, chapter 2 of Genesis to describe it more fully. And and, and listen to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now, now, listen to those words. What did God do? God formed the man from the dust of the ground. In other words, in, in creating that, the first man, God, God got his hands dirty. The picture, pictures of him going down and picking up dirt and, and forming it into the man. He got his hands dirty. And then he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. He got very up 
close, personal, and intimate. Have you ever breathed your breath into somebody? That's pretty darn close. God, it was both personal and got his hands dirty. It was direct when he created humanity. It was personal for God. Why so different? Why so personal when God created us? Well, it's because of why he created us. It's because of our purpose and who he made us to be. In fact, um, Genesis 1.26, the, the continuing on about let's make man in our image, says this. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Let us make mankind in our image. Now, often people misunderstand what it means to be made in God's image. We think it's like, well, we have certain attributes that God has. And we do have certain attributes that God has. We have a, a, a spirit, we can communicate, we're in relationship, all those things. But that's not what it means to be in the image of God. It's not that we look like God. But the, an image of something is, represents the real thing, right? So if, if you get some money, there's an ima- there are actually a few different images on it, right? Generally, there's a president, if, it, if there's, well, actually, all of our things generally have presidents. Most of them have presidents. Um, and it says United States of America and has symbols of our country. The image, it means this dollar represents our nation and our economy, right? When somebody make you, when you, when you create a painting, it represents who the person is. To be created in the image of God means we represent who God is. That's why he created us, to be his representatives on the earth. And notice it says, why did God do this? So that they may rule. Well, who's the true ruler of the universe? Well, it's not me. It's not you. It's God, right? But God chooses to share that rule with us. As his representatives on the earth, he gives us Everything we need to carry on his work. He created, but he also tells us to continue his creation. He loves and he tells us, continue to spread my love. We're meant to carry on the work of God. So we uniquely, among all life on earth and in the universe, were created to carry on God's work. So he created us in a very personal and direct way. Because that is who we were made to be. It's why he created human beings. To be his children, his ambassadors, his agents, his heirs in the world. That is a high calling. That is a high calling. But it also means that we were created with honor and glory not to be arrogant, but rather to serve. Not to be narcissistic and self-centered, but to be focused on the world around us and how we can make a difference in the world around us. That's why God created us this way. We perverted that to become very self-centered, self-focused. But God created us to be servants of Him and of one another and of the world where we live. You know, we're supposed to be doing this life, doing God's work, in God's way, 
seeking his purposes and his goals, right? But, but unfortunately, at the very beginning, people decided they didn't want to do it God's way, right? Adam and Eve decided they didn't want to do it that way. All of us make that decision. I want to do it my way, right? We're like Frank Sinatra, right? I want to do it my way. Well, our way is totally messed up, and look where it got us all. There's some really great things in the world. There's some totally messed up things in the world. And, and you can thank all of, everybody around you and yourself. Right? See, part of the problem is we're supposed to rule over the world, but we rejected God's power and God's way. We chose our way. And so what's the result? We can't even control our own, our own lives. Right? We have emotions. We make decisions. We do things. And we're like, I don't want to do that anymore. We have New Year resolutions because we know things need to change. But how easy is it to change even ourselves? It's far easier to try to change the person next to us, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. We were meant to rule the world, but we can't even rule ourselves. This is why one of the things that God wants to do in us, He gives us His Holy Spirit, and one of the things that God wants to, to create in us is self-control. You know, I, I love the fruit of the Spirit. And you've probably heard this. In fact, there have been sermon series on that uh, here at Crossroads. But the, the fruit of the Spirit is this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And we love all those. And then the final one is self-control, which you just never hear mentioned as a fruit of the Spirit. Why is that? Because we don't like that. We think of self-control as negative. It means I don't get to do fun things or something. Self-control simply means God wants us to regain control of our own lives, our own emotions, our own decisions, to take responsibility and to live the way we were meant to. How can we rule in God's place as his representatives when we can't even rule our own lives? It's impossible. So what God wants to help us to do is get a handle on our own lives so we can become the people we were created to be and we're meant to be. And the thing is, we can't get there on our own, which is why this is a fruit of God's Spirit. When we turn our lives over to God, that's when He gives us the power that we've rejected God's power because we've rejected His way. Of course, we want God's power and to do it our way, right? But God says, no, do it my way. Seek me, follow me, be who I created you to be. And I will give you the power and authority, the honor and the glory that you need to do that. But it starts by orienting our life off true north, which is God and His way, His wisdom, not mine. So, why did God give us this power? Not just to be great, not to be great for our own purposes, but to serve and specifically Point number two is this, God made us to make a difference. God made us to make a difference. Now again, just as you're made for greatness, there are lots of different kinds of greatness, what, what kind of difference does God want us to make? And there are lots of layers of the difference God wants us to make. And, uh, and the first scripture I'm going to look at is, again, Genesis 1, 26. Uh, 
God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it, right? Now, we've all heard this, right? Be fruitful and increase. Fill the earth uh, and subdue it. So that's what we were, we were meant to make a difference in the world, not to just live here, not to just survive, not to just, you know, have our little plot of land and just do nothing else, but actually increase, fill the earth, subdue it. And, 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 and actually, we've done a really good job of filling the earth, haven't we? I mean, eight billion and, and going. So we, we, we've done that job. And, and subduing is a little different matter, but subduing doesn't just mean lording it over the earth. Subduing means making it livable. It means helping create a world to subdue. So it's not wild and dangerous for us to live, but where it's a place that is hospitable for us to live. And in general, we've done a pretty good job of that too. Now, in both cases, we've, we've made a few messes along the way, obviously, and we could all point to those. But fill the earth and subdue it. Uh, you know, talking about filling the earth, there's a lot of talk about there are too many people on the earth. And, and people talk about population control. And, and, and it's funny how the place that, that, that so many Westerners want to control the population is not in their country. Um, it's often aimed at Asia and Africa. And uh, in fact, Burundi, where we have a relationship, a close relationship with the churches of Burundi, it's one of the fastest growing countries in the world. Much of the Western world actually is barely keeping up with uh, the people we're losing. There are some countries... China is in huge problems because with their one-child policy, they're now beginning to lose people, and they realize they've made a total mess of their whole society. Japan, similarly, they have less than one child per generation, per family, and they're, they're beginning to see some huge effects. But the truth is God loves people. Now, I'm not saying we should double the world's population, but what I will say is this. The problem of the earth is not too many people. The problem we have on the earth is too much selfishness and evil and systems we have created that can't care for the people of the earth effectively. So population control really is, it's a smokescreen. It's not the true problem that we have. You know, but everybody needs to make a decision for themselves in terms of, you know, how many children do you want to have? Some want to have none, some just one, some want to have lots. And whatever you choose is okay because God loves every single child born on the earth. No matter what country or continent they were born on, no matter what the circumstances of their birth, God values equally and infinitely every single child born on the earth. And he loves them through their whole lives until they leave the earth. And so if you are here today, if you are listening to my words, God values you infinitely and wants you to share, as was said earlier, in his honor and glory. Every one of us. You may not feel that today. That Most of you probably don't feel that today. But that's what God wants you to experience. It's not what the world gives you. 
but it's who God created you to be. And that's why we need true north. We don't need to listen to our world about who we are, what our value is. God's the one who truly gives us value for now and for eternity. And to subdue the world, to subdue the world. Actually, there's another verse that that, that expands on that. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, this is the the command, the mandate that God gave to humanity. The Lord God, it says, took man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now, work it and take care of it sounds like a, a short little throwaway phrase. Awesome, he's supposed to work. Good. Right? The original language is really to till it. And to keep it, to till the land, I guess they changed it to work it because people nowadays don't know what it means to till the land, where most of us have gotten pretty far from the farm. But to work it, to take care of it, two key verbs. To till, to work, means to develop the world that we've been given in. It means to cultivate it, to advance it, to, to create progress. God didn't say, I'm putting you in the garden, don't mess it up. God said, work it, make it better. Develop the world I've given you because God is a creative God and he says, you are my representatives on the earth. So I want you to continue to create in my name, right? That's who we're meant to be. That's why God gave us our creativity to mirror his creativity. He gave us all the abilities we have. God gave us so that we could continue his work of advancing and and subduing and working the earth. And so when you think of all the different aspects of, of advancement, whether it's in science or technology, the arts or scholarship, whether it's medicine, economics, politics, whatever it may be, all these different areas of advancement, those are good things. God wants us to advance in all these areas of life. It's why he gave us the ability to do that. He gave us minds that are able to do incredible things, to understand incredible things to develop amazing inventions. That's a gift from God. Advancement is not anti-God. It's actually a gift of God. Now, obviously, how we use our advancements is a huge deal, right? God says, you're my representatives. Do it in my way, for my glory, as a service to those around you. But often we use our advancements and technology and all these things to serve ourselves, right? For our own profit. Often to harm other people for our own personal gain. You see that all over the world every single day. And we even see it, that struggle in our own lives of how we're going to live for myself or, or for others. Advancement isn't the problem. It's our hearts that have gotten off of true north and we're following all sorts of things that we're not supposed to be following. But then that second part not only advance the world, but also, it says protect, right? Take care of. Work it and take care of it. Take care of it means to protect, to preserve, to maintain, to steward, to guard it. And so even as we've been placed on this earth and God says, go for it, right? He also says, but there are boundaries because on this earth that I've placed you, I want you to take care of the earth. Don't just abuse it for your own personal gain. And so, as Christians, we have this this balance that we need to keep between advancing but also caring for the earth. Now, our culture has gone, in many ways, 
way too far in both directions. Some people, advancement, who cares about the world? Others, let's care about the world and forget about advancement. As Christians, God gave us the task to balance those two because that's what's going to make this world the most livable place, the the place that is that is um, most wonderful for us, to, for us to grow and develop as people and as families and serving one another. Now, I've opened a whole can of worms here, haven't I? And I'm going to close it now. Because there are so many questions that, that are, are raised here that I can't answer this morning. But we need to know that our, our, our goal, our purpose by God is to hold these two things in balance. That he does say advance, but he also says protect the world that I've given you to make it a hospitable place for the generations after you. So we have to ask ourselves, how are we doing with that? Well, obviously, however we protect, however we advance, needs to be done in God's way, according to His purpose, His goals, for His glory. And a part of that means that everything we do in this world is to be a blessing to those around us. God loves us, and he wants us to love others. So any way we use advancements or technology needs to be in love. It needs to be not short-sighted, not selfish. It needs to, to bring life. It needs to protect life. It needs to heal life. Because that's what God is about, and therefore that's what we are about as well. In fact, the greatest difference we can make in this world is really about life. And not just the physical lives that we lead here on earth, but the deepest part of our life. Remember when I, when I read that God breathed into the man and he became a living being? Well, the word living being actually means living soul is the original word. God gave us a soul. It was his personal gift to each and every one of us. Because he intended us not just to live for a few years on earth, but he intended us to live with him forever. And so beyond what we have on this earth, which can be awesome and challenging, God has something so much better for us. And so in 2 Corinthians, Paul put it this way, describing what it means to be made in God's image. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Right? God created us once and he gave us a mandate. We messed it up and blew it. And, and blew it. And so he said, I'm going to recreate you. Right? In Jesus Christ, I'm going to make you new and I'm going to give you back the mandate that you rejected and messed up. I'm going to give you another chance. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. And God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Now notice, we're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal to the world of his love and the salvation and forgiveness in Jesus Christ and his gift of a new life. He's given it to us to share. Because our reason for being created was to be God's representatives, made in His image. And so as we reclaim why we were created, God gives us back 
our role as his representatives, his hands and his feet and his voice and his heart in the world to share his message of love and grace and mercy and reconciliation that as far as we've gotten from God, no one has gotten so far from God that God doesn't want to bring them back. And you and I get to be the bearers of that great news. That's a part of what it means to be recreated. We, we again become God's representatives in every area of life. And so even as, as I look at my own life, I've got to ask, in my family, am I being God's representative? Am I representing His love and grace and creativity um, to my family? Am I doing that in my work? Everywhere I go, is that who I'm being? Because to be made in the image of God isn't just something we say, today I'm going to be in God's image. It's, it's, our actual, it's our identity, why we were created. It's something we ought, ought to claim and hold on to and live by that true north. But the only way to do that leads to our, our, our third affirmation of why we were created. And, and that is this. You were made for relationships. You were made for relationships. In fact, in a sense, this is our highest purpose. Is to be, we were made for relationships. It's, it's in relationships we're supposed to do everything else. God created us for a relationship with Him. He recreates us in Jesus Christ for a relationship with Him. He heals our brokenness so we can experience in God's presence and with God's power and with God's gifts, we can experience the fullness of what He intended for us in this world. And so our, the first relationship we were made for is our relationship with God. You know, in Genesis chapter 3, it says, The man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Now, the beautiful part of this, this, these two verses is that God used to walk in the garden with Adam and Eve. I mean, wouldn't that be cool to go for a leisurely walk with God? No time pressure, just hanging out with God, right? And we get to hang out with God a little bit, you know, prayer, reading scripture, being together, but, but it was fundamentally different to be in God's direct presence. And, and the gift of God to us through Jesus Christ is that we can again attain that after this life is over if we've trusted in him. But what, what would you do if you were hanging out with God? Maybe ask him advice, right? Share, share what you've been thinking, bounce it off him. God, what do you think about this, you know? Or, or, or pour out your heart to him. I bet he's the best listener ever, right? Ask, how many of you have, have some hard questions you want to ask God? I, I think most of us do, <laughs> right? How about I get a pep talk? What would a pep talk from God look like? That would be awesome. There's so many things that would be wonderful. Probably the best is just to be reminded while walking with him that we have value, that we are Loved, that we were created for something incredible by this God of the universe who wants to be in relationship with us. He's made us great because He 
and his greatness is beyond our imagination. And he shared some of that with us. But it's not just a relationship of, of a good friend or a counselor. God made us as his father creates a child. Paul, the apostle Paul, writes it this way. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, God has made you his heir. Now, how many of you would have liked to have been the heir of, like, the Walmart fortune when, you know? Or how'd you, how, how many of you would love to be designated the heir of Bill Gates? You know, it's like, I wouldn't turn it down. Um, but we actually, you are an heir of the creator of the universe. That's who you were created to be. We, there's not just a creator God that's up there looking down and, and just laughing at us. You know, just, um, we're some grand experiment. We have a a father in heaven. In fact, fathers on earth, and I try to be a good dad. I'm not perfect. No father is. But God is the perfect father. I strive to be a father like him. He is the true father who loves and cares and encourages and empowers his children. It's what he wants to do if we will receive it. And even though We've rejected him time and time again, and we, we turn our back, and we do things our own way. He continues to come after us. That sounds bad. He's coming after us. He keep, continues to seek us, right? He continues to call us back, to love us, to give us his grace, and to free us. It says we are no longer slaves, but God's own children. We're slaves to ourselves. We're, we, we live in prisons of our own making, of our own doubts, our own selfishness, our own desires, our own needs, our own hurts, right? Those are the, that's the prison God's released us from, to live as the people we were created to be, to live in a, a rightful place, which is at God's side, exercising His power and authority in the world around us which, by the way, is so much better than our own power and authority. His wisdom rather than ours. His goals and His way rather than ours. Human ways get us in trouble. God's ways move us to greatness and significance, making a difference in the world around us. And finally, as His image, God created us to not just do this on our own by ourselves. He created us to do this with other people in community. And so the final thing we were created for Created for relationships with God, but also with others. And let's be honest, most of us know that relationships are the most important part of life, right? I mean, we may be good or bad at them. I mean, you know, and, and depending on the relationship, sometimes we've messed some up, sometimes there's some good ones, but we know that's sort of the important, most important part of life. If somebody asks you, what's more important, work or family? I mean, who's going to say work? I mean, I know two or three of you will, but that's okay. Um, you know, there, there, there's a few in every crowd. But we know that the real answer is family, right? My friends, relationships are important. And, and we know that because God built us that way. You don't even need to know God to know that truth because God's built that into us. 
It's why and how we were created. And so Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Right? So when God created, he created male and female, which meant, why did God do that? I mean, why? Yeah, right? All men. That would be so wonderful. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, I'm not going home today. But um, anyway... Why did God create two sexes? Well, because it meant we could only fulfill God's mandate together. Fill the earth. Can't do with one person. Got to have two. Right? It also means that we are able to reflect God's love to one another. Right? We are God's representatives. And the only way we can truly reflect God's love and grace and mercy is to have other people to give that to in its fullness. And so God created male and female so that we would need each other at the most fundamental level to carry out God's mandate to humanity. And you know, the whole male-female thing. Who knew that would be such a controversial thing in the world? But uh, that's a discussion for another day. Um, but moving on, uh, Genesis 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him, right? So once again, God is saying in a different way. Genesis 1 and 2 says the same thing in different ways. In Genesis 2, he's saying, it's not good to be alone. I'm going to make a helper suitable. And so, and we often misunderstand this whole helper suitable um, it really means a complementary partner. A helper, by the way, isn't a subservient person. In the Bible, the number one person described as a helper is God helping us. So a helper is not someone that's under us. If anyone, anything is, is somebody over us, and most of us men know there is someone over us. But, um, yeah, that's another one. But um, <laughs> I need to st- st- stick to the, the sermon. Um, but we are meant to be complementary partners. God made men and women, male and female, different for a reason because we need those differences to be put together to carry out His purposes in the very best way. To be honest, men are their own a mess. Right? I mean, let's be like, women on their own, cat fight. Um, <laughs> I'm getting into all sorts of trouble, but anyway, we need, we all need the balancing effects of the other, but it's not just men and women, right? Men are different from one another. Women are different from one another, right? We all need people with different gifts, different strengths, so that together we make one whole. The problem is, in this world, God created us different, but we use those differences to create division, Right? Whereas God meant those differences to bring us together. God said, I made you different, so you need each other. We look at the differences and say, I don't need you. I don't want you. That is a sin. That is, let me just, that's evil. Using differences to create division is absolutely against what God intended for us as people. In fact, I guess that's appropriate on Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, isn't it? God made us to need each other and the differences that we bring to the table. It's meant 
We're meant to be complementary, not competitive. But often we compete with people, don't we? We want to be better than they are. But God says, no one's better or worse than anyone. We're just different. Stop assigning value based on differences. Instead, appreciate the differences we have. The final verse uh, for, for, for this morning is Romans 12, 5. Back to Paul. So in Christ, he says, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now that is a beautiful picture. You know, in the human body, did you know that there are literally thousands of different kinds of cells in the body? Thousands of different kinds of cells. Yet they're all working for one purpose, and that's to keep you alive. To to help you function in this world. God gave you all those different parts, and together they make you. They're working, if you're healthy, in concert to make your life successful. And God says, I made all of you to be a body. Every one of you different, but working together, appreciating and using all the differences that I've given you so that together you can move forward and make a difference that I created you for, to be in a loving relationship with each other that I created you for. The problem is that when we look at the differences and we see them from a human point of view, we get it wrong. True north is God's intention. If we all choose to let go of our own personal ambitions and goals and choose God's way and God's wisdom and God's goals and God's purpose, that's what can make us one. That's all the cells in the body having the same purpose. It starts with God and it starts with us understanding that we are here in all our diversity, in all our giftedness, we were made for greatness. And we were made for a, to make a difference. And we were made for a relationship. Can you imagine what this world would actually be like if we reclaimed our reason for being made, our reason for being created, our reason for being here? Right, we started with the question, where is humanity's place in the universe? Well, now you know it. It's not that hard, actually. Are we willing to hold on to it? To orient our lives off true north? Because if we do, this world will absolutely never be the same again. Amen? You know, if you don't have a true north... If you're following magnetic north and it keeps moving around on you because you get it from the culture or inside or wherever, I encourage you today to accept what true north is. And that is the God who created us, his purpose for you, his ways, his truth. It's the way to live a life of greatness and significance and success in the only measure that makes any sense and any real difference. If you've never given your life to God, if you've never accepted His direction, His gift, His power, His glory for you, I encourage you to make that choice today. To orient your life off Him. 
to begin to get your identity and value from him. It is a wonderful adventure. But it's why you were created. It's why I was created. If you'd like to make that choice today, to ask God into your life and to begin to follow him, I encourage you to just pray with me right now as we finish our time. God in heaven, you who say you are my father, that I was created to be your child, your daughter, your son. Lord, I, I want to accept that new identity. I want to, I want to be your child. I want to know my purpose. I, I want to know your power, your gifts in my life. I want to know true north. I want to navigate this world in the very best way. I want to live not just for the moment, but to make a difference and for eternity. So Lord, I want a relationship with you. So I give my life to you today, not fully knowing what that all entails, but I want to begin. I want to be recreated through Jesus Christ. I, I want his forgiveness. I want the new life. I open my hands, my heart, my mind. I receive you this morning. Thank you, God, for loving and creating me. I pray this in Jesus' name.